too busy to cook? Don't want to grocery shop? Take back your life. Let Witnessing Nature and Food provide you and your family with eco-conscious, organic, tasty, nutritious meals. Headed by internationally trained chef Jennifer Johnson, you will enjoy the helpful food your body craves. Choose from meal prep, meal plans, catering, or cooking class services. Just go to witnessingnature.net. Witnessingnature.net. It's what's in the food that matters. Eat organic. Witnessing nature in everything. Welcome to our Food to Love podcast. I am your host, Chef Jennifer Johnson, with Witnessing Nature and Food. I am dedicated to building a health is wealth community so that we can all live happy, healthy, fulfilled lives. My company is Witnessing Nature and Food, and we are deliberate in using distinct ingredients, organically grown, and cleanly made in all aspects of our food delivery and education. We help Everyone understand and help shift our relationship with healthy food through food services, educational seminars, cooking classes, and we also promote locally sourced organic sustainable food, providing you and the community with a fantastic experience for all of your celebration needs. After all, as communities and people, we tend to commune the best over and around food, so it should be food to love. Today on our show, I have my guest, Rosa Ferdowsmack. I should have asked you this, Rosa, as to how to actually pronounce this. I thought I pronounced this, did this several times on the, in the mirror this morning, and I didn't get it. So go ahead and tell, pronounce your last name for me, and then I'll finish doing your introduction. Sure. It's uh, Rosa Ferdowsmacken. Ferdowsmacken. I should be able to do that. But on the spot, I couldn't do it. Anyways, she is with Bites which is an app that brings foodies, chefs, and farms together. Locally sourced, produced, locally sourced, produced, and bringing together aspiring professional chefs and conscious foodies to share in the love of good food. They also do pop-up farm-to-table dinners, where being a chef, I hope to participate in. Um, I love food, organic, farm-to-table as well as wine. So I can't even begin to describe how happy I am to have Rosa on our Food to Love show today. <laughs> Welcome, Rosa. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's a real pleasure and honor to be on your show. Thank you. Why don't you tell us all what inspired, what inspired you to start your business and your passion for locally sourced organic food? Yeah, so um, in terms of a big picture, I'm very much interested in uh, creating experiences in life in general. Uh, I see life as, as a collection of beautiful, memorable, meaningful, rich experiences that we have. Um, and I'm interested in creating experiences that impact people and the planet in beneficial ways. So when you know, I was sort of at the tail end of this very long divorce uh, in my life, and I was trying to reset things and recreate a sense of meaning and purpose in my life. And so I was reflecting back um, on my childhood and and things that sort of called out to me and resonated with me. And I remembered back to, you know, the days when we came to the U.S. and we immigrated um, in 1978, and I was a little kid, and and I remember uh, a sense of not feeling like I was a part of society here, not feeling a sense of inclusiveness, belonging, participation. You know, we ended up in Logan, Utah at the time, and uh, then for political reasons, couldn't go back 
uh, home and so I had to restart a new life and it really gave me that social consciousness like that sense of empathy for uh, other people and for connecting with a sense of community and purpose in your life and and I also was reflecting back um, on my first uh, job ever, which was um, at the age of 13, uh, I got to work on my uncle's farms and his uh, open-air farmer's markets and greenhouses and orchards. And, and I really, at the age of 13, connected with a sense of life, the life force and how we belong to the earth and you know how we treat it and how it treats us in return and the bounty we get from it. And so there was this sort of silent knowing or silent connection that I felt to the earth just simply because of uh, working on um, these farms. And then it was really that same, that same year that I had my first uh, sense of culinary enlightenment, as da Vinci would have called it. It was my first foodie experience. So these things all uh, stayed with me over the years and informed who I became, a, a person that was into adventure, variety, diversity, seeing life as this wonderful, colorful experiment um, to, to try new things and to be open and open-minded towards other cultures, other people, other cuisines, other ways of thinking and being. Um, and these all culminated um, now going full circle to, to when I was getting out of this divorce and trying to reset a sense of meaning and purpose in my life. And so I thought, you know, uh, something that you also say, Jennifer, which is that people most naturally and most organically, truly, in terms of evolution, uh, commune around food. It's, it's a big part of our humanity and our social fabric and how we connect to other people and how we have understanding and conversations. And so I thought, wouldn't it be neat to bring a sense of meaning and memorable, meaningful, intimate experiences into people's lives, something that I personally was craving. Um, and so I thought you can do that most readily through food. You can experience other cuisines, other cultures, a sense of joy and adventure back into your life, the way I wanted it for myself, I wanted it for other people to be able to experience. Um, so this was how this uh, app truly organically grew in my head. I wasn't seeking to, you know, go create an app. I was simply uh, reflecting on my own life and, and saying, what really truly at my core, uh, what is it that I want? I want a sense of connection. I want a sense of meaning and purpose and adding value and doing good. And, and so, um, yeah, to answer your question, it's about creating uh, experiences that impact people on the planet in good ways. I so get that. And actually I get a little teary-eyed because that's a little bit, you know, I've traveled extensively around the world and not to age either one of us, but 40 years we've come a long ways because I grew up in Michigan <laughs> and I've been in Arizona uh -huh. for 30 years. And when I first moved here 30 wow. years ago in 1988, yeah. it was truly, yeah. there was nothing yeah. other than big Western kind of environment oh, yeah. there was it I don't know if we had a museum that wasn't a southwestern mm -hmm. museum at the time oh, and yeah. even in yep. Michigan we had meat and potatoes I mean that is what we had yeah. and, and that was 40 years before that's 50-ish years ago but yeah. <clears throat> I mean honestly how the world has evolved and become a much more um, less regionalized 
and more yeah. um, adventurous is what I totally yeah. love. And that's why I traveled the world is because I really wanted to learn not to go and be a tourist. I don't like the tourist concept, yeah. but really to go yeah. and learn about the local community, what foods they eat, how they behave, what they do. It's just so much fun. Absolutely. And I, I personally, you know, for myself, I see myself as a global citizen, a world citizen. The world has so much to offer us. I'm not sure why people pigeonhole themselves and, you know, get very um, territorial almost, you know, in the, not the positive sense of the patriotic, but more the, you know, standoffish or we're this or we're that, we're number one, we're this, versus an inclusive sense because we all live on one planet. You know, I see everything holistically. I see everything as being somehow interconnected, whether that is connection is, you know, direct or indirect. Um, we so all true. <clears throat> impact everything in some subtle way, some stronger ways, but some subtle ways. And whatever we do has an impact. So it's good to be sort of mindful of that. And, and as a, as a, how shall I say, as a responsible citizen, as a responsible human being, to <clears throat> choose to make our impact one that is, if it's not going to be positive, at least let it be neutral. Um, agree, so agree, totally. Detrimental. And, you know, it's funny Do you say that because I, um, when I did my master's thesis, I did my master's thesis on how Mickey Mouse, Disneyland, and McDonald's created globalization because mm-hmm. – Kids want to go play at McDonald's. They want to go to Disneyland. They want to play with Mickey Mouse. And really, that's really the first thing that had kind of gone all over the world is to get a Disneyland yeah. or, you know, and because and yeah. nobody wants to deny their children, right? It doesn't matter what culture you're yeah. at. I, I remember right. being in China once and, <laughs> and walking to work and walking to work and this Chinese woman is yelling at her 13-year-old, about 13, he looks about 13-year-old, on his bike, and she's yelling at him. And I can imagine conversations I had in English with my 13 year old at the time, right? So you yeah. kind of, I think we all want the same thing. Maybe there's a little bit differences yeah. in our, in our governments and so on, but people in, sure. in, in general want to have children, have a nice, peaceful, happy life, become successful and, yeah. And, yeah. and really have friends and relationships and, and so on worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, I really we, feel we, that no we matter where I travel to. Yeah, I think we all want our lives to to be meaningful. I mean, I at least do. I want my life to be meaningful. I want to, you know, at the end of it, look back and think that I, in some way, did some good, added some value, made a positive impact. That's my own personal wish. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand it. And there may be people out there that don't want to, but that's up to them. I mean, they can have, you know, their lives are their lives to do what they want to do. If they want to come home and see me every night, that's fine. That's their business, and they get to do that. Sure. But we get to do something around food, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) So tell us more about the app. Exactly, exactly. And um, tell us more about the app. I'm so excited because you have an announcement today, and I've been using your beta app um, maybe not as much as I should have over the past, um, the past, uh, I guess, 30, 45 days since we were introduced. And I'm uh-huh. just really excited to hear about what's coming next and you to tell everybody about how we're going to, how we can bring everybody together. 
Yes, awesome. So this is a like a fantastic day because today our app officially launches in official form. So up until now, we've had um, a beta version of our app. It's been our sort of our uh, what they call in the tech world our MVP stands for minimally viable product. So we had sort of a skeletal version of some of the functions and features that we wanted on our app, but it was nowhere close to what we knew we were going to build out. But we wanted to take baby steps because you never want to overbuild in a direction and then users don't want those features or tools. So you want to sort of get feedback as you're building something out so that you can make what people actually want to use. And so today our official app uh, released to the App Store and Google Play, and you can go there and just search for, you know, Bytes Foodie app and you'll pull it up. Um, or you can go to the website, you know, bytes.mobi and pull it up. But what I'm going to tell you about is the app itself and how you use it. So we've so got I heard you say three Google Store. I heard you say Google Store. Is it on Apple uh-huh. Store too? Yes. Uh-huh. On the App Store? Yep. yep. On the Apple Store on and the on App Store um, Google Play. Yep. And, and I uh-huh. remember, is it going to be, so I remember putting in bytes and then the period you have after it. And I then had to write in a couple of other things in order to make sure that I got the right app because so many other things came up instead. It's so sure, we will yeah, there's lots of things. Now, on the front of this, on the um, on the information we provide today with the release of the podcast, we will absolutely provide those contacts so that everybody can get to your app. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm super excited to to have everyone check out our official version. I personally love it. I I feel really proud of our official version. It looks nothing like our beta. Like I said, that was our our test run and trying to feel things out and figure out uh, how to best uh, achieve an experience for the foodies and chefs and also a user interface, like a look and feel that felt comfortable and felt natural and felt like true to the core concepts of this um, app. So essentially um, on the app itself, the the foodies can can go log in and, you know, uh, start using the app and and check out. They can look at all the chefs who are participating. They can chat with all the chefs. They can see – all of their ratings and reviews. They can reserve their services through the app. They can see their menus um, and the cuisines they offer. They can see fixed menus, tasting menus, um, a la carte menus. They can uh, check out the chef's availability, uh, and they can also uh, check out the different kinds of chefs. So we've got, when I say different kinds of chefs, I really mean people in the culinary space who have a passion for cooking, want to share that with the community and sort of showcase their talent, um, and share their, their story with the world. And so the, the people participating on this app in the culinary sense are professional chefs, culinary school students, and homemaker cooks. They can all create you know, a free profile and then have foodies reserve their services for in-home, farm-to-table dining experiences. And that's what foodies do on this app. Now, the chefs on their side... They also go into the app and they, you know, log in through the the chef portal. And so when they log in, they get to create their profile and now they can, you know, um, talk about themselves, write a little bio about themselves, you know, talk about their minimum charges, the the farms that they support. And I'll talk about the farms more later because that's one of my big passion points on this is is the localized sourcing. Um, And so then the chefs are creating these full-on profiles and – then they can, um, they can upload pictures of their food. 
And so the, the chefs and the foodies get to interact and make reservations and, and you know, um, and then carry that out in home dining experiences for the foodies. On the website, so separate from the apps but related, is uh, we've got the website, bites.mobi. Mobi. Um, up at the top, we've got a banner that says uh, farms and wineries. So we just recently added wineries that I love, local wineries. Um, so farms, and since wineries are growers too, they're farms too, uh, they get to create profiles, and um, we want the farmers to keep 100% of their profits. We want people to be able to source directly from them. And so soon we're going to be having a search feature go live on the website that allows you, Jennifer, as a chef, to go to the website and not just see a listing of participating farms, but be able to search through them and see which ones are closest to you and what they're growing, when they're open, when they're available, who you talk to, who you call, and um, then you can go source uh, your ingredients locally there and, and, and you know, organically, fresh, um, That's awesome. seasonal, you know. Especially for, um, I mean, are you going to have, like, a couple of distributors on there too, like Stern or um, Peddler Sun, who does a whole lot of organic food? To yeah, for our larger purchases. So yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I've been in conversations with Stern, and what I wanted to do, and Stern, they're wonderful people. Uh, first they absolutely of all. are. What what I wanted to do was encourage first before we get distributors to participate, because I could absolutely right now say let's have distributors participate as well. But what I wanted to do was really give the visibility to all those small growers give them a chance to create their own personal profile so that people can source direct from them if those uh, growers want to participate in that way. And if they choose not to, and for whatever logistics reasons, you know, um, they say, no, we, we'd rather go, let's say, through Stern or someone else, then by all means I'm going to, you know, allow the, the, those local distributors who work with all these tiny growers to create yep. a profile so that the chefs can just – go to them because makes what total, this was makes total sense makes total sense i just said yeah, that, um, like stern because i really have a great relationship with them they're awesome people yeah, and totally the thing is is that they i buy from blue sky and i buy from uh true garden yep. and some other places but mm-hmm. blue sky's all the way in the very far west valley true yep. gardens all the way in the east valley and and yep. if i can if i need to get something i can get it directly from stern versus and i can meet their minimum delivery requirements versus having yes. to travel all over the world, saving myself time. That's, yes. that's the only reason why I suggested it. So you can continue oh, to absolutely. connect about your vision for the app because I totally am so excited. I'm actually sitting here screwing around with the new app, and, and I am uh, <laughs> writing my new bio right now. While <laughs> <Well>, you're <laughs> telling fabulous. everybody about it. <laughs> so, yeah, this is what we want to do is get all the, the small growers. We've got some growers participating. We're trying to get the word out. This has all been sort of bootstrapped and done by myself exclusively up until now, and, and I'm putting together small teams. So as my team grows, uh, we're going to be able to sort of message out to more and more people to let them know about this, you know, the app, the, the you know, official launch of it, the, the official version, and, um, because I, I understand that, you know, when, when you say beta to a lot of people, they're like, okay, so this is a test version, so this is not the real deal. So they kind of get hesitant and they don't really 
you know, they, they do some interaction, but it's not as full-on engaged as here's the official version, this is the real deal, you know, go ahead and totally get it. Create, you know, complete your profile, go ahead and start, you know, making your reservations, go ahead and start sourcing from these farms that have created these profiles. It gives it a different flavor, a different sense of sort of um, officialness, you know, legitimacy, I should say. So is everything that I had put in the beta app, because I haven't looked through it a whole bunch, because I'm trying to talk to you here. Sure. Um, um, is everything going to transfer from the beta over to the official app, or do we need to re-enter all that stuff? Yeah. No, it'll it'll keep whatever you had, and then um, when you you know go into it today, you're you're going to see that um, after our call, if you, if you want to you know um, go go into the app because it's now you know the official version's out, you will see that it saved your old information, and now it gives you additional fields to be able to plug in like your fixed menus, your tasting menus, your awesome. minimum servings, your you know maximum number of guests, all. Um, assortment of things that you'll be able to sort of tinker with and, and add if you choose. That's fantastic. I'm so excited. We're going to have to, I'm going to have to call you back after we get done with the, when we get done with this so we can <laughs> yeah. uh, mess around with this. I'm just really excited. Sure. So you're, they're launching first in Phoenix and then are you planning yep. to move it all over the country? Yes, that it's a scalable, you know, what I consider is this is a scalable solution and why I call it a solution or really a tool and a movement and a grassroots movement toward localized sustainable sourcing and farm to table becoming the norm um, is, yeah, we're going to be going across the country and letting that, I think what we'll do is once this official version is really um, in full force here in Phoenix um, and we've got a lot of engagement, and then I think we'll, you know, uh, take a look and see what is the next, what's the most logical next place to go to. Because I can just be, you know, spitballing something right now, and it may not be what we end up doing in, let's say, a few months or, or so. You know, once we sort of decide, let's let's step outside of Metro Phoenix and let's, you know, additionally go and share this with other people in other communities so they're they're aware of it. Um, but. But there's but yeah. nothing stopping anybody from getting signed up today when the AMP launches. Nope. They can start their own grassroots community using your app right now, right? Absolutely, they can. Yep. I just I know to, lots of yep. I have lots of chef friends. Try, so absolutely, they can totally friends. do that. They can yes, they can absolutely get on there and start telling people in their community about it. It's my own personal sort of our resources here, the manpower or the woman power here that we've got is right now in, in Phoenix. And so what we want to do is be able to, um, as things grow, um, really send a couple of bodies to different spots to, to help um, share that message, whether that's in, you know, in-person presentations, sort of presenting, talking to groups of chefs or organizations or, you know, farms, uh, whatever that is, we want to be able to, like for me, community outreach, that personal, you know, one-on-one has been how I've been growing this. I mean, I have met with, I can't tell you how many farms and how many chefs, and I'm really honored and, and grateful that they gave me their time and their ear and they listened to what I wanted to, you know, share with them. And there's been nothing but community, like, support and love for what we're doing. That is so awesome. I love you. I've known you for a little while. 
Thank you. So anyway, and you know, Jessica, we're going to take a break. Uh-huh. We're going to turn, take a break and come right back and learn some more about Rosa and what she's doing to help all of us foodies, farmers, and chefs get together and create a local community of locally sourced produce. I just am so excited about um, how we can all get together and collaborate and have a great time and commune around food. So we'll be right Thank back. You. Are you a speaker who has an inspiring, insightful message that will help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? If the answer is yes, we invite you to become a pro member of the eWomen Speakers Network. We have over 500,000 women connected through 118 chapters spread across North America. We're looking for speakers to share their wisdom and breakthrough ideas. Go to eWomenNetwork.com and join our speakers network. The benefits for pro speakers are incredible. Go to eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back to Food to Love. I am your host, Chef Jennifer, with Witnessing Nature and Food, and I am excited to continue this conversation with Rosa from Bites on our show with her app that just launched today. Let's see... I know you have a huge love for food and for different kinds of produce and, um, and family mm-hmm. and community. I do a Try It Tuesday mm-hmm. program for my viewers um, just to help them see other, you know, other people's opinion about food. Because a lot of times we talked earlier about the fact that you, sub- you go to the store and you always saw the same produce seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we see so many different things coming in from different parts of the world and and. We are mm-hmm. able to grow so many different things in Arizona because we have a couple of different growing seasons, and actually like two and a half if you want to do all mm-hmm. of the varieties of the different <laughs> food that come through here because we're lucky because we yeah. have that um, we have the we have a perfect weather most of the time. Um, how do you interest your family or friends or, or customers into new and exciting healthy food? Well, that's exactly what this app is about. So Bites is about culinary adventures. So when I you know, talk about foodies, uh, I don't talk about that term in some pretentious way that, you know, the 1% can afford uh, certain kinds of dining experiences. Um, and so this app, when, I, when you ask me the question, you know, how do I interest people in exciting, healthy food, it's really through this app. This is designed to bring a sense of culinary adventure at all socioeconomic levels, so all budgetary levels can participate on this app because you've got the professional shops, you've got, you know, one tier below them is the uh, culinary school students in their pricing, and then, you know, a tier below that is the home cooks. So people get to, at whatever price point they're at, wherever they're at in their life, they get to have a sense of culinary adventure uh, through this app, and they're bringing in different um, cultures as well. This is about celebrating diversity. Um, when you bring in different cuisines into your home, let's say I'm a foodie and I want to have Cambodian food and a, a lady down the street from me cooks Cambodian food. Well, when she's on this app and I'm interacting with her and I reserve her services for an in-home dining experience with her, when she comes into my home to cook Cambodian food for me, by the end of that meal, I'm going to have learned a little bit about what it was like possibly to have grown up in Cambodia, their dining rituals, sort of like 
their culture around food and uh, communing around food and what that means to them. And I'm going to have tasted a lot of authentic flavors of that culture that might get washed out when you perhaps go to, you know, a restaurant um, that is Where they've Americanized to, Cambodian food. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. It's sort of like the same with Chinese food, right? Chinese food in China tastes nothing like Chinese food in America. It looks totally different um, too, yes, yes. Yeah, every, everything about them, the aesthetic, the texture, the flavors, the smells, all of that is, is quite different, in fact. And so for me, I interest people through this app about this is a way to bring a sense of intimate, meaningful, memorable, you know, dining experiences that truly give you uh, a sense of joy and experience. You know, this is an experiential dining app. And connecting with other cultures, so through other foods through your taste buds, sort of giving your taste buds a scream, you know, almost like a roller coaster ride for your taste buds. Because each time you can get on this app and you can try a different cuisine. Like, you know, we've got like 40 cuisines in there right now. So it's really That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. That is like, so I'm awesome. super excited. And I think, that, I think that we're not adventurous enough sometimes. I always try to buy things. I see something I've never tried before in a store, which happened. Um, I try to bring it home and see what I can cook with it, with different recipes and see how other people have done it, yeah. play around with it, just to kind of have fun. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. I don't know, I just, I, I really always want to try something new. I just really like trying new things. Me too. <laughs> and I love, too, I love, absolutely. yeah, and I love the fact that, you know, it doesn't, the whole economic aspect should not matter whether or not we get healthy food or not. I mean, you know that right. uh, health is wealth right. for me, and really, honestly, yeah. it should never be yeah. about who can afford organic food or not. And although organic food exactly. pricing has come down significantly, mm-hmm. um, we still we still have a huge mm-hmm. disparity in who can afford it in, in the mm-hmm. U.S., and yeah. I think that we need to work, and I'd love to work with you to mm-hmm. figure out how to make Absolutely. sure that everybody has access to has access to healthy local food. Absolutely, and I think that a lot of that starts with uh, incentivizing, so giving visibility and support to local uh, small growers, and by that I mean the urban farms, micro farms, co-ops, backyard gardens, community gardens, organic family-owned, like small growers. And when you think about the fact that 70% of the population lives in urban settings, it makes a lot of sense that the majority of our farming should be happening in those urban settings in small, you know, in small clusters and in, in, um, in these very intimate, like, small spaces where people can be sourcing from neighbors and, you know, from down the street. And in that way, everyone gets into localized sourcing because it becomes the norm. And we don't have to, although it's wonderful to, it's, and it's absolutely necessary to talk about um, what we're doing on the commercial scale and, you know, all these, like, mega farms in Ohio and, and around the country, that's critical. That's important, absolutely. But I'm also interested in this, this sort of like an overlooked space. Um, I, was, I was reading this article uh, that was, to me, really fascinating because I follow both of these gentlemen. And one is Dan Barber, who I absolutely love, the chef no, in I New York. I love him too. Yes, yes, he's a very yeah. favorite man of mine. <laughs> yes, to me too. He's like an idol. And so listening to him and then there was a, sort of a debate or discussion, an interview they were having uh, in this Fast Company magazine between him and uh, Kimball Musk, 
uh, Elon Musk's brother. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, I was, heard that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was talking about, so they were at polarized ends, and they couldn't agree on anything. And you could really truly say that, like, they hate each other's guts practically. But it's ironic because they were both, um, they're both searching for solutions. They're both searching for, like, a solution to our food crisis, to our food, you know, the, the way we grow things and how it's not healthy and how can we change this whole system from globalized commercial food production um, and how can we fix a lot of things. But they were at polar ends, and I was reading this article, and I was stunned because I thought, wow, this conversation lacks the, the middle ground, sort of like, what bridges the gap between these two polarized ends, which is why don't we do something in the urban spaces that's about the existing, you know, urban farms and micro farms and give them visibility so that other people can get a sense that, wow, this is working and that will gain traction organically without us having to build as, you know, Kimball Musk is uh, suggesting these gigantic containers and have, these vertical gardens going up, while that's fine, that costs something. Whereas True. You know, what we've got right now in, in these urban settings, all of this would be organically like grassroots growing. This would be like your neighbor who already has a yard and maybe isn't maximizing how they're using that, or they're, or they're growing a bunch of kale, but they could grow double that and then, you know, uh, sell Or they the have surplus. too much and they don't know who to give it to. Yeah, exactly. So they can create a free profile. They can create a grower, like a farm profile, essentially, on the website and let people in the community know when, you know, when you can source from me. It doesn't mean that they're not a store. They're not open, you know, 24-7. It's more like maybe maybe they pick, you know, every Saturday morning for two hours, you know, come by and source what you want or twice a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the landscape around people is changing. Landscape around Phoenix is changing a little bit. I moved four years ago. Um, actually, in a couple months would be four years ago. I moved from a house that had a large yard, and I did my own gardening, to a condo. Mm-hmm. And so I have a balcony mm-hmm. now, and I have my vertical garden mm-hmm. on it, and I do have some potted plants and herbs and things like that, like my onions and, and so on are in yep. there. But, um, I mean, I just love the fact that there are so many options now, for whether you're yes. in an urban setting or in a community and there's a lot of condos yeah. going around here um, yep. that you can actually grow your own salad or your own herbs on your patio and have yep. fresh, have fresh non-GMO. Um, if you use mm-hmm. non-GMO seeds, right. Use yeah. fresh, have fresh food that you can just go outside and you can mm-hmm. pick because in my initial podcast, I talked a lot about the fact that um, from the, uh, in this, in the, in the industrial farming, um, that mm-hmm. from the time things are picked, they sit in warehouses and it yes. may take two or three weeks, maybe four weeks for between the time it yes. comes into, into the state to, or land, gets picked to the time it's in the re- grocery store. Yep. And from the yep. grocery store, it's in your refrigerator for, you know, another week or so. So there's so many yep. things that they spray on it in order to make sure it lasts that long. Yes. And I just totally oh, yeah. love the fact that I can go out and I can maximize my vitamins, my minerals, my nutrition from what yes. I pick right on my on my garden. I think that a lot of times we don't really realize in yep. industrial farming versus urban farming mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. there's a lot of urban gardens coming up or community gardens that are growing up. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know about the huge um, new housing development that was just done in Mesa, Agritopia. 
Uh but it's all around urban gardening. And I'm just so excited that we are going to have an option, at least in, you know, my kids, kids generation, that they're going to eat the way I ate. They go out there and I pick it up in the farm and we bring it out in the house and eat it on the table. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just super excited that things are starting to come back full circle to maximizing (laughs) the amount of value that we get and not just necessarily value in the food, but the, the vitamins, nutrition, the minerals. So, yeah. So that we can eat, you can eat healthier. Absolutely. And, and our lives, you know, the impact we have is more meaningful because for example, we are, when you, when you're paying someone down the street who, who grew something, right, you're paying them and, and, and sourcing from them, then you're plugging money back into your own economy, which is what I love. In, in, Instead of uh, giving that money to, you know, industrialized global food production where that money goes somewhere else, that, doesn't, that money doesn't plug back into your own community, into your own society, into making it a better version of what you really want. So you're I not totally agree. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the community. statistics. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't know if you've seen the statistics from um, Local First. I don't know if you belong to Local First or not, but yeah, I belong to Local I First. Do. And if you spend a dollar in a local uh, – with a local um, – Supplier, which would be you know, a chef or a restaurant mm-hmm. or, or one of the farmers, yep. then 75 cents goes back into the community. If you do it mm-hmm. with somebody that's outside of the state or international, mm-hmm. only 14 mm-hmm. cents goes back into the community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like we're, we're wasting our resources. We're wasting the, the ways in which we could empower our own communities. And so for me, that's why the second piece of this app, so I talked about the foodie part of it, you know, the culinary adventures at all different budgetary levels and celebrating, um, you know, diversity, inclusiveness, and community building. And then the second piece is really the economic empowerment, the job piece. This is a free platform for Rose, are you there? I think I lost you. Want and to to there, source I lost from these tiny growers can... directly. You know, when I was talking earlier about on our website, you know how you were telling me, uh, are you including Stern? Are you including distributors? And I was saying, well, I'm holding off on distributors initially because what we want to do is have a search feature go go live that allows you as a chef or even a foodie, any anyone in the community, to go to our website. And based on their geolocation, you know, do a search and say, hey, show me growers within one mile of me. Show me growers within two miles of me that are participating. So show me growers within up to 25 miles of me, max. Because to me, local is not a day's drive. Local is not 300 miles. Local is not 100 miles. Local is local. Well, as of today, it's it's 500 miles. But I get your point. I totally get your point because you're maximizing your nutrition. When you, when the closer it is to you, absolutely, I totally agree. Yes, totally agree. And you're, and, and you're, you're impacting, you're, you're affecting your own, you know, uh, closer sort of your tribe, sort of your, you know, your space, your, your you're area. You're getting to know your, your neighbors, right? You're getting yeah. to know your neighbors. Yeah. We for a long time didn't want to know our neighbors, and now we're getting back to where we want to know our neighbors and have a sense of community. So true. So true. <clears throat> the other thing that I do is. Um, and we're going to, have to take a commercial here in a minute, but and maybe we'll come back and talk about this after the commercial. But um, I belong to, you know, the Arizona Green Chamber, 
and the Fe- I'm yeah. a Phoenix Green business partner. So we compost, recycle, and all of my uh, wasted food and so on. If I can't, um, if I can't, I have to mm-hmm. can't reuse it. Then I put it back into a compost, right? So that creates. Yeah. I use I use Recycle City, and they they make a good, mm-hmm. fantastic dirt that I think is you know mm-hmm. much more high carbon content. But it's actually it's far more nutritious for my plants and stuff that I have. Mm-hmm. That's what I use to plant on my on my balcony. Awesome. And so um, I think that a lot of people don't realize the amount of composters that are out there now, or what we can do locally as composters in order to regenerate our own dirt or take our own waste and put it into dirt. And so maybe that's something you and I can talk about. I don't know how many farmers around. Maybe farmers do, but I don't know how many chefs really um, compost around here. But let's take a quick break, and we can come back and we'll talk some more about that in just a minute. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back to Food to Love. I am your host, Chef Jennifer, with Witnessing Nature and Food. And I am back with Rosa from Bites. And we were talking a little bit about marrying farmers and chefs and foodies together and creating community and localization of uh, produce and so on. And then we started talking a little bit about um, composting and regenerating what we have for food waste back into healthy dirt so that we can use it to um, regenerate our, our own food that we grow here locally in our urban farms. And I just wanted to get a little bit of Rose's um, opinion about that. Yeah, in terms of uh, the composting piece, I love that you're uh, talking about that because that's a piece that sometimes goes uh, not talked about. And, in fact, it'll probably be something that um, bites in some ways, starts to open dialogue on um, as we move forward. Right now, the piece of this, uh, this whole uh, waste diversion that we're involved with, so we are involved with waste diversion, and, uh, and that's why we're, we're part of uh, Arizona State University's uh, Resource Innovation and Solutions um, Network. Uh, it's called the Risen Incubator. It's a part of a global initiative toward the circular economy, you know, zero waste, um, sustainability, but essentially, um, back, Jennifer, to when I was mentioning something about you'll be able to find these tiny growers around you with the search feature, it's designed to send the chefs, the the home cooks, the the culinary students, and and the foodies, ultimately, directly to those growers so that the, the growers can, they can be incentivized to grow more for us locally by increasing their profits, decreasing their waste, and the way that works is essentially if you look at, I'm going to just kind of like shrink it down, but when you look at globalized commercial food production, right, all things that get flown in and shipped in and freighted in, um, they're not adding value to us in terms of nutrition and and all that, and and they're not helping the local economy, and and I could just go on and on. The the, sort of the the Band-Aid approach until now 
has been, and I'm going to say Band-Aid approach, is with our farmers it's markets. It's probably the right much term. As I, you know, as, as much as I love farmers markets as a consumer, I have talked to many a grower who has told me, Rosa, we don't make much money at all at these farmers markets. And when I first heard that, I thought, well, why not? You're getting a lot of visibility. You're, you're selling your stuff, right? And they said, well, yeah, but it, it, it can cost us upwards of $2,000 a year in fees, costs, expenses, insurance, all these things just to participate. And then we have to harvest whatever we're going to sell at a farmer's market. Let's say we're going to a Sunday farmer's market, and so we're going to on a Saturday night or early Sunday morning, we're going to harvest all this stuff, right? So we need to expend labor and energy and, like, time and, and put that stuff, package it up, put it into boxes, you know, have some, someone slip it out to a farmer's market to set up a tent and awning and, and, you know, their table and spread out all this produce. And more than 50% of that, this was like an outrageous number to my ears, more than 50% of it actually does not sell. So the farmer is left with three choices, three really bad choices at the end of that day. He or she can uh, donate what's left, which is great. It's great to donate, but there's no profit incentive to grow more for us locally. The second piece is, is that they send it off to, to um, land, like to, you know, um, they're going to dump it because they can't, um, you know, uh, they can't sell it, they can't plug it in back in the soil, so they get rid of it. Because what are you going to do, let's say, with 80 heads of kale or whatever whatever it is you've got? Right, right. That I know a lot of people like, that go shopping. Much. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I know so a lot of people like go shopping at the end, right? The end of the farmer's market because yeah, prices exactly. will come down. And see, that's the sad part, is that the third option, exactly what you said, spot on, is that these poor farmers have to sell it at the end of the day for 50% off just to get rid of it because they can't plug it back in the soil. They can't keep it alive for another, let's say, two weeks until there would be a ready buyer for it. So that model, that Band-Aid model, is another um, not-so-wonderful model for the actual growers. So my, my solution, my suggestion, my, this is what I'm putting on the table, is that if we could send people direct to these tiny growers, if we could give them visibility and support, if we can make this search feature go live, right, when we get a little bit more participation by more farmers creating profiles, then what can happen is that people can go source directly from these farmers. The farmers can stay put. It takes, there's a transition period, I know. There's like a little, you know, like a, a sort of a on, what is the word, onboarding process that takes a little while for people to adjust. But essentially, the, the, big picture that the long term is that people could source directly from all the growers around them. Then the growers don't have to pay all that money to participate. Then they can stay put and do what they do, which is farming and people can come direct to them. And then those resources like that kale or that whatever that's in the ground can stay alive and fresh and healthy and green um, can add value to the, you know, the air quality as well, because it's alive. Um, It can stay alive until there's a ready buyer there, and that's when it can get harvested. That's when it gets cut and taken and, you know, uh, cooked, uh, used. Right, or, um, or maybe, that way or maybe the, that waste. Or maybe the user takes in, places an order and says, <clears throat> says, oh, Blue Sky Farms, you're going to be at Uptown Market. I'll meet you at Uptown Market because it's much closer than going out to Blue Sky Farms, and you just bring me what you sure. got. And they know sure, exactly. They'll have, a pre, they'll have pre-orders as to what they – Pre-orders as to what they do. I know a lot of people do a CSA, um, 
Mm-hmm. But yep. a, a lot of the times they don't they don't get what they want in the CSA box. So right. It's just very interesting. I'm I'm sure that I will have you on the show again because we I want to hear more about what's going on at Bytes here in six months after you've had this official app launch today. Thank you. <clears throat> so excited. So if you had you. three things you wanted mm-hmm. to tell the users or tell everybody on the show, um, the three most important things about Bytes, what would it be? Oh, this is great. Uh, the three most important things about Bytes. This app is about a sense of seeing life as an adventure and participating in that, like welcoming that, going through that portal, going through that door, entering onto the app and start participating. The second thing is when you participate on this app, you are giving jobs to people. You're helping your own local community. And the third piece is that uh, by participating, you are also – supporting localized sourcing because you're giving visibility um, and profits to local small farmers, encouraging them to take the next step and to grow more for us because we'll be there to source from them. Those are awesome things. If you had one more topic you wanted to discuss today on the show, because we have a few more minutes, um, I want to give you enough time to give people the, the ability to be able to connect with you. What would that one topic be? Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's see. I talked through a ton of the stuff that we, um, we discussed beforehand. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, one of the things that I'd say is that the, the projects that we've got in the works right now with Bytes is there's a lot of uh, wonderful uh, projects that um, I'm, I'm beginning with this one is I want to give visibility and support also to all of our local chefs. So I'm starting with Bites. We're starting an indie film series called Foodie and Chef um, that will mm-hmm. be filmed uh, in It'll my kitchen with uh, chefs. Yeah, coming into my kitchen and I'm the foodie and I get to experience all that, you know, up close and personal with uh, wonderful chefs like yourself. That's one project that's in the works right now. Um, and I'll be reaching out to chefs and, and sort of um, posting about that on social media, as well as um, um, developing partnerships with local winemakers um, so that we can give visibility to the winemakers and have these pop-up chef dinners, which incorporate sustainable uh, you know, grapes, so all the, the local grapes and, and actually Arizona wines. Uh, because I'm proud to have wineries in a state that I live in. You know, as much as I love Napa and Sonoma and wine from all over the world, but I really want to support uh, local winemakers because they're farmers too. Um, That's fantastic. And, the last... and I know probably I probably belong to like nine local nine Arizona uh, wine clubs. So if you oh want contacts and help, just let me know. Oh, I totally believe in <laughs> Arizona wine. Absolutely, so. I totally I do love... too. That's fantastic. I love, yeah, I love and the, international wine, and I love California wine, and I even get yeah. some wine from Utah, or not Utah, Idaho. I have a girlfriend lives in Idaho, and there's Idaho, a couple of great uh-huh. wineries there. But, I mean, I oh, totally awesome. believe in supporting the local wineries. Yeah, because for me, it's the same as locally, you know, um, supporting the local farmers. Like, for produce, um, I'm interested in also supporting the local winemakers. So the, the other uh, couple more projects that I'm doing, which I'll just mention quickly, is one, we're going to be working with local schools soon in terms of interactive lunches at schools with chefs coming in to, you know, right now starting off with sort of charter schools and private schools 
uh, bringing in chefs into those classrooms to do interactive lunches with those kids to make them more open to, you know, a sense of uh, adventure with food and not saying, ooh, gross, I don't want to try this. Um, and also understanding how food is grown. So doing field trips with kids in schools to the farms. Um, Bites is going to be doing all these things uh, coming up very soon. Um, and then also That's in fantastic. conversation. That's fantastic. I wish the public schools were much more open to that, but they're not. It's yes. the charter schools and private schools yeah. that are far more yeah. open to having yes. having something different done. Mm-hmm. I because you know, but but yeah. what is it? Seventy percent of our students are taught in public school. I really would like to be able to break through that. Somehow. Yeah, yeah, and we will. I think it's just baby steps. Of we first got to you know make it more of a normalized uh, thing in in the private. And charter schools and then move our way toward the public schools. I mean, I personally care about that. I'm a mom, you know, I've got a seven-year-old daughter in, in second grade, so I certainly am like doing something that I want to help impact my own child's future and her own education in school. So it's important to me on a personal level. Um, I totally get that. I was and, so excited and I helped fight when my kids were in high school at getting the soda machines out of the school. I'm just yeah, so, so yeah. sick and tired of that. I mean, I haven't had a soda mm-hmm. in probably 20 years, but yeah, I, I, me too. <laughs> too I'm not a crap for them to either, be able so to get. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then there's um, a, a local, you know, nonprofit. It's a children's nonprofit that uh, Bites is in conversations with that we might be bringing in the culinary, nutritional education, farms, uh, sort of activities for kids. Um, so there's a couple of projects with them that I'm uh, wanting to to do and, and they're definitely like inviting us to do that, but I just don't have the bandwidth right now. So I'm like, we'll, we'll do this soon, you know, cause there's just so much you can have on your plate and uh, without. Oh, that's a true know, statement. You know, over. you know, I teach, I teach um, healthy eating on a budget at a new leaf, which is a domestic violence and homeless shelter, transitional housing at La Mesita center over in, in Mesa. Once a month, I teach a second Monday of every month. It would be really great once you have some more time to get them to understand more about yeah. your app and, and where they can find yeah. food that's close to them. That would be wonderful, yeah. This is all really grassroots. I'm interested in really, you know, empowering the 99%. Regular, regular people, you know, deserve to have lives of quality. Totally agree. Could not agree more. Anyways, tell everybody how to connect to Bites and how to connect with you, Rosa. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. So Rosa Ferdosmakin will have my contact information on, you know, the, the written part of this um, podcast when it gets, um, when um, you, you post it. But essentially it's, um, they can, let's see, they can contact me through our website, which is www.bytes.com. Moby, and that's spelled B-I-T-E-S dot M-O-B-I. So there is no dot com in there. Uh, this is a bytes dot Moby. So dot Moby is the, um, instead of the dot com, because this is tied to a mobile app, so that's why we use that sort of instead of dot com. Uh, additionally, they can go, folks can go to the Apple Store or Google Play and just type in, you know, Bites Foodie App or Bites Farm to Table, um, Bites App, any of those things should pull up our app. Uh, if they have any issues with that, trouble with that, because this will be an official 
launch. And so, the, you know, it's, it's like it takes time for, um, how do I say, for enough users to get on to the official launch as of this morning. Um, so until then, they might just need to go to our website, Bytes.mobi, and click on those direct links that will take them directly to the app on the App Store and Google Play. I am so excited. I am going to I have probably about 30 minutes after um we hang up here so I'm uh, very excited about the fact that I am going to uh mess around with this app and I will be uh, calling you and making sure that I've done all my stuff right so I can make sure I'm in the community on uh, day 1. Perfect. Thank you so much Jennifer. I'm it's an honor to to um speak with you and to have you on this app. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And again, everybody can use this app. You guys can start to build your own internal networks, even if you're not in Phoenix. Um, and I'm just super excited. To, I'm super excited that there are resources like this around and, and that I met you about 45 days ago. And I, I look mm-hmm. forward to spending a lot more time working with you. Thank you so much. Me too, Jennifer. The, the pleasure is all mine. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us today on our episode. Um, And, again, we're going to post this in about an hour, so you'll be able to download your app and get uh, get registered and find out where your local growers are. And local growers out there listening, you can get registered as well. And then for Witnessing Nature and Food, you can check us out on our website, witnessingnature.net. And also, like us on social media, and we will love you back. Bye for now. Too busy to cook? Don't want a grocery shop? Take back your life. Let Witnessing Nature and Food provide you and your family with eco-conscious, organic, tasty, nutritious meals. Headed by internationally trained chef Jennifer Johnson, you will enjoy the helpful food your body craves. Choose from meal prep, meal plans, catering, or cooking class services. Just go to witnessingnature.net. Witnessingnature.net. It's what's in the food that matters. Eat organic. Witnessing nature in everything. At Caraba's Italian Grill, folks always seem to be saying, Wow! Especially now, because you can take home our delicious made-from-scratch lasagna, layered pasta with meat sauce, creamy ricotta, and mozzarella cheese, absolutely free. Homemade lasagna? For free? Wow! Order one of your Caraba's favorites, Chicken Brian, Chicken Marsala, or Polo Rosso Maria, and you can take home our made-from-scratch lasagna. For tomorrow night's dinner, free? Wow! Hurry into Caraba's today and get a free homemade lasagna for tomorrow, now through January 29th. Wow! Caraba's Italian Work. Worth talking about.